Eanes is proud to present the WHS Healthy Shop Speaker Series. This week, Chris Quaglino from www.itoiaustin.com shares catching the signs, suicide, and self-harm awareness. The population that I'm going to talk about today is that, that age range. Uh, the, the actual topic of suicide awareness and self-harming spans a whole lot of different ages. Um, statistically, teenage and then again around 65, 70, those are the, the two age groups that there's more concern we should be more aware of. Um, part of that is because we'll talk about the teenagers just trying to figure stuff out and the pressures and then when we get older, it's looking back on our lives and did did we do what we wanted to do or needed to do? And if that doesn't feel like that's turned out well, then there's risk again of you know being stuck. So, but we're going to focus on on teenagers right now. So I put all these signs. I kind of put it on like traffic signs. So we have red, yellow, green. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've had really bad allergies and I'm on pills, but I'm trying to, I don't know about the rest of y'all, it's just the season. So I don't know what would happen if I ran into this sign on the way to work. I would probably figure somebody hacked it at night, right? And it was, so they were being funny. Um, so statistics, these are from 2016. <clears throat> They're not getting better. Um, so over the course of this talk, according to these numbers, there will be at least three people that have uh, attempted suicide while we're talking. Maybe four if I talk too long, okay, which is kind of a big deal. There's all sorts of reasons we'll go into that. Some of it is mental health conditions that are not diagnosed. Some we're getting better at diagnosing, and so people are getting more help. But the reasons are so varied. So we want to be looking for signs. These are some really ridiculous signs when I got on the Internet. So I'm trying to keep this topic serious, but also not so serious people tune out. You know what I mean? So apparently somewhere, I'm guessing in somewhere out west, there's a problem with cows <laughs> missing the cliff or something. So you want to be careful. And then anyway, all sorts of weird, crazy stuff came up. Um, so some facts. Um, this is still true. Females are in this particular age group, group are more likely to make attempts. In fact, like three times uh, more likely, three or four times more likely. Young men are more likely to what we call complete. And we're going to talk about terms in a minute. Um, the reason for that is young men have typically used more um, Lethal, yeah, I guess that's that's probably the best term. More lethal term. I was thinking violent, but that's not necessarily the case. But more lethal, unreversible ways of of doing it. Okay, person who, who makes one attempt is an elevated risk of another. The reason for that is is there's a barrier you cross. You get to a point where you feel like I'm going to go ahead and take an action to take my life. Once I've crossed that barrier, even though I get help then it's easier to cross that barrier again if I get stuck. And so we want to be watching out for that. People who are marginalized, and although we like to talk about different groups of people, it's getting better. It's really not as great as people think. And so their life isn't so great. 
as far as society goes and opportunities. And so they're going to feel stuck. And then the resources, although Austin has amazing resources for LBGTQQ um, people. Uh, motivations for suicide attempts are varied. And a lot of times it's not really the intent to die. Um, it's just being really stuck. And this is the only option I have. And thinking about it, someone who gets to that point, it's usually not I'm out internally. I'm out and having a great time and enjoying my life. I am slowly have worked myself into a corner. And people don't notice or they don't say anything. And I get further over here and further over here. And then I feel really isolated. And then I don't even think about I could go and talk to somebody about it. I just get real stuck. And so we want to be looking for those kind of things. So people aren't getting just stuck, like these limousines. Surprisingly, I found a lot of pictures of limousines <laughs> stuck on hills. And so our job is to kind of notice before that comes and get somebody stuck, okay? Um, so these are terms. There's suicidal ideation, suicidal thoughts. That can be, in this age group, with the people I work with, even if somebody says, I'm just not sure why I'm here. That's that's like a trigger for me to say, what do you mean by that? Because um, they might mean, I don't know, I just don't know why I'm alive and it's not a big deal. I mean, that's kind of normal at this age group because we're, I got peer stuff, I got school stuff. And you're at, you know, if I start thinking about big life questions, I really don't know. I haven't even gotten to a point in my life where I would know whether I want to be an engineer or a doctor or whatever. Uh, a suicide attempt would be an action where I really thought I was going to die. And some people do some self-harming. We're going to talk about that a little bit at the end. I guess I should stop and say, if this is really bothering you, this topic, um, it's okay if you step out or if you speak up or if you wait at the end and I help you get untriggered. Okay? That, uh, I usually try to cover that earlier. But a lot of times people will do things that to us would seem like they're not, like that isn't really a suicide attempt. Like someone will scratch on their arm. I've had students where they, they scratch with a key. And so it, it seems like staff is like, they just used a key, whatever. And then when I ask the student, what did you mean by that? They're like, I don't know, I thought the key would do more. <laughs> And then they're kind of frustrated, like they failed. So now I failed again. I was upset with life. I tried to end it. Now I'm in failure at that. And so the key is we want to be asking them these questions, not just ignoring the, the things that we hear. So whether it's plausible or not, to them, we need to find out what that meant. And then um, the medical term is completion, which means somebody did something that actually did end their life. Okay, so there's, there's different terms for different levels. So anyone who tries to kill themselves must be crazy. There's a lot, still there's a lot of stigma about people that get uh, to a point where they're so stuck they don't want to be alive. And they really shouldn't be because it's usually something temporary. And nowadays that temporary stuff can come from all sorts of... Uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of areas, but like media. 
mean, people can bump into something on the website or someone can read something about themselves or about the world and then get stuck. Like, why is this, why am I even here? This is all overwhelming. And the key is we want to be talking so they, they have places to, to go and discuss that. Okay. So it's usually, what, like, what, the, what we've said in the past is it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Right, I, I worked it for a while before I got into working with adolescents, a, a while, like about a year. And when people would check into the hospital because they had made a suicide attempt, I could only think of a couple of times that it did not happen, that within 24 hours, they really were glad they didn't complete. Because they were all, they were no longer isolated, they're alone. There's people trying to help and work things through. Um, so a lot of times when people will talk about things too, especially at this age group, they, there's not a lot of words for what's going on. So we're looking for like behaviors that don't seem to fit, like isolation. We're going to talk about the, the problem with that is the developmental stage work that they're doing and the things that we need to be looking for are the same. And so it's real tricky trying to tease out what's going on. So again, the key is communicating and then following your intuition. And we'll talk about that. So a lot of people just feel stuck, like the road's closed. We want to keep those paths open. Um, so here we're talking about developmental stages. So I picked three age groups um, just from this one website. Uh, is anyone, I guess I should cover real quickly. What I mean by developmental stages is um, the one I studied was Erickson. There are different tasks that you're supposed to complete before you get to the next age. So it's by age and at birth you have a certain task. Um, I'm sure you all have seen the studies where you have to make eye contact a lot with infants that gets them connected. Some people don't get that, and then they can't go on to the next stage. Um, so anyway, these are the stages for adolescence. I didn't cover the whole age group because we, we don't have all day to be here. Um, so if you look at the red highlighted ones, these are normal, right? Like moodiness. That's normal. It's not fun, maybe, as a parent, right? If we go back and look and we're honest, we'll probably remember we were that way too a little bit, right? Um, most likely to express feelings by action. So there might be a lot of kicking a chair or throwing a book or storming off. Instead of saying, I'm upset, you'll see that they're upset. Um, they will pay less attention to parents. Why is that? It's their job to become independent. Are they independent at 12 or 14? That's We're only at 14 years old. Of course not. But it's their job to become independent, or you will have them in their, your house the rest of their life, right? And so we want them to, but it's a struggle. Um, and then they're starting to realize that you're not perfect and pointing that out, right? And then that causes... 
tension now, I think. As an adult, you want the important stuff to get to you, right, from your child. As a child, they don't want anything to get to you, but you also have to let them know when they're not doing things that are right. And so now you've got this conflict, and you want to get past that on the important stuff, right? So I get it. You didn't fill the car up with gas. Of course, they're not old enough yet. But big deal. I would like you to fill it with gas. I don't want you to be so upset with me that I've corrected you for not filling it up that you don't come tell me if you're really upset about something, right? So, and that's tricky. It's different for each family. All right, so we get a little bit older and we get self-involved. We have unrealistically high expectations, sometimes poor self-concept. This is the age group where people try to use like skateboards to jump from one building to another because they're invincible. It just never occurred to me that I could actually get damaged, right? Um, so parents are interfering. Um, again, they're not really interested in parents at this point. It's all about making friends, having my own peer group. Um, all right, periods of sadness. It's really normal to get into kind of a funk as a teenager because you're not sure what's going on um, with anything. Am I okay? I'm starting to notice physically. Am I looking like everyone else? What am I supposed to look like? People tell me I'm okay no matter what I look like. But some of the students at school aren't really looking at me like that's true, right? And so it's really confusing. Plus, I don't even know what I like. I, I liked some things when I was younger. And now I'm older, I'm not sure I like those things anymore. And so there's an identity uh, kind of crisis going on. Okay, if you make it through all that, <laughs> things should start getting better. So you'll notice there's a lot less red highlighted words here. Because at 17 to 19... I should have probably figured out where I'm at, what I kind of start to want to be doing, right? We're getting out of high school here, maybe heading toward college or trade or whatever. Um, so hopefully we're at that point. Now, that's not always true. This, these are just like baseline things that because people have to put things in categories. And so if I didn't get some of the other things met, I can be 25 or 30 or 50 still trying to figure out who I am and what I want to do. And I don't mean from a self-realization, like everything's great and I have a huge amount of income and I can do what I want, but I mean at a core, I'm just really not sure what I want to be doing. So some we'll never see, some we might see, some we should definitely see. Okay, I gave this, I gave an introduction talk to every incoming group at the school. It was about 50, 60 students a week and I would talk about suicide and what you should do if a friend says they're going to kill themselves. And the whole time I was giving one of these talks, a student was drawing this skull, a really good drawing of a skull, and I kept noticing as I'm talking, and I look, and there's a little more and a little more, and when he finished it, it was a gun pointed at the skull and the other side being all blown out. And I'm like... <laughs> 
So in front of the other 50 or 60 students, because I know students are somewhat aware, self-conscious, you don't want to say, whoa, what are you drawing, right? But I did take them off to the side and ask. So I noticed that was a pretty nice, it was done real well, really nice piece of art. And his eyes were like, I've drawn murals on the sides of buildings. I am like this known artist in this city. I was just drawing out what you were talking and and we were good, and I still followed up a week later just to make sure. But just something as simple as that, you want to notice. I've also seen where somebody, a teacher, reported a student that had drawn a little hangman, like a game, but without the dashed thing for the letters, just drawing a hangman, and reported that. And I asked them, so how are you doing? And, you know, build rapport. And I said, so there's this drawing and they were actually, that student was actually thinking about going and getting a belt and doing something that night. So you got to follow up and you got to ask. I will say that he was grateful that we brought it up. Because a lot of times, they really, that's like not a great place to be. They don't want to feel that way. But they won't speak up unless we speak up. So... I guess the key to that is don't be afraid to ask. If you see something that doesn't look quite right, then ask what's going on. Now, don't jump in right away with, so I saw this picture, are you suicidal? Because they'll shut down and they'll think you're weird and they'll not tell you anything anymore. But you can say, hey, you know, I noticed you were drawing something. You're doing okay. You know, how are things going? Get to, get to talk. They might just walk off. That would be another sign you need to follow up. We've had students work there on a phone, and all that staff heard was, I'd rather be dead, click, or I just want to die, click. And then staff will say, hey, I just heard you say something on the phone, and the student won't talk to them, and then we, we would keep up. So if you hear things like that, don't just let it go, because you don't know. They may just be... Really, what they're saying is, I don't like it here, I want to go home, <laughs> right? But they're not saying that. They're doing what we talked about earlier, like kicking a chair or throwing a book or saying something out loud. The key is you got to follow up, though. All right, so some things we may not see. So these are things that we will. So if someone's being aggressive or they have sudden behavior changes or mood swings, um, sleeping or eating... Some people feel like depression is a sign of depression is when you're asleep all the time. It can also be a sign of depression that you're not sleeping at all. Some people don't know that. Um, eating, it can be eating a whole lot more. It can be eating a whole lot less. Um, threatening, hopefully if someone actually says, I want to kill myself, then we stop and have some kind of conversation. It's tricky in the moment. If they're really upset in the moment, you're probably not going to get a real good conversation going. You also don't want to be saying, that's stupid, don't you ever say that. Why do people say stuff like that? Like if, if, if someone came up to me and said they're going to hurt themselves and I said, that's stupid, why would I say that? Well, it reinforces that they're stupid, so that's not good. But like what you said, I'm afraid, and so I'm acting on me being afraid. And if I, as the adult, am saying, stop it, then I've, I've cut out the communication because I was afraid. 
And so that's really kind of what these talks are about, is so you're not afraid to ask if something comes up. Because we don't want to just shut it down. We may think it's stupid, but it's really not. It's asking or at least letting us know something's not right, whatever that is. Um, if someone's giving their personal items away, people miss this sometimes, especially at that school. Some people give all their stuff away because it's a whole new start for them. I don't want anything that reminds me of where I've been. I'm looking forward. That's fine. But you got to check because if someone's all of a sudden making amends, saying goodbye, giving their stuff away, that signs that they're doing something that makes you think they may not need this anymore. The other thing is if you ask people, like if they say I'm leaving or something at that school, I don't know about this would be like at home, but ask where they're going. Like it may be you have a friend over, of like your kid, a friend over, and they say, they look upset and they're really hurt and they say they're going home and something doesn't seem right to you. It's okay to ask where is home because sometimes home is like, home and that's not where we want them to be going right we want you to be going to your parents house so we want to check sudden need to make amends and then making closing statements like I'm finished with everything well if you're that's all I can I've done all I can do yeah yeah I've done a lot of dog it just means that you're getting stuck all right so things you might notice um, sometimes you might notice that somebody's losing interest in things, but if they're doing things and you're doing things, you may not know. They're still, you're still taking them to practice. You're, they're still staying there for the hour and coming back. But if you're not getting information on whether they're enjoying it or not, you may not know. So I hope most people get feedback. Most schools are really good about giving feedback about how people are doing. Um, you may not notice feeling hopelessness or anxiety. Um, I mean, lack of purpose. That's a tough one at this age, right? What am I going to do? I mean, parents are telling me, you're going to be somebody, you know? Or they might be saying, you're going to be a lawyer too. I'm married to a lawyer, so I can say that, right? And then maybe I don't want to be. I don't know. It's still confusing. And they may change all the way back to, I just want to dig ditches. All the way until they get to the end of high school. And then they're like, you know, lawyer thing's not too bad. It gets to be 110 outside. You know, but someone needs to do it. We have a lot of trade students down there that that's all they want to do. I just want to do HIVAC. Rest of my life, I'm good with that. And that's great. So it just depends. Getting off track. Um... And then the loss of a loved one or a pet, it can be a pet too, that gets people sad. And young people don't know how to process grief. It just hurts. It's not good. I, they can spread that feeling across their whole life instead of this one area, right? I mean, adults do that too. If I lose a, like, I mean, I had a little pet that passed away, and if I really think about it, I can go back and get stuck feeling the loss instead of all the fun I had with this, this dog over the years. Um, let's see, and then things we might not notice. They're limited sight. All right, so relationship problems. 
If you are a young person, will you notice that a peer is having relationship problems? Like one high school student, the whole class will probably know if one student is having a relationship problem. Will a parent know? Probably not. Okay. Um, withdrawing from family or friends. So how many people in here have had a teenager that just decided all of a sudden one year, like, they're just always in their room? I don't know what happened. Right? Or they're always on this. Some of them are even doing the games with headphones, so they can be in the room with you, but they're not with you at all. <laughs> right? So just noticing that. Um, risky behaviors, depression. See, some of these are the same red highlighted things that we had that are developmental stage issues too, right? So they're supposed to be doing some of the things that we're looking out for to make sure they're okay. So it's really, it's really kind of uh, confusing. All right, being bullied, we may or may not. The first season of 13 Reasons Why was about someone that was being bullied. And then the follow-up from that. Um, the biggest concern I have about the 13 Reasons Why um, was that it was a little too realistic because the students can tell things are not going well, but they don't tell anybody that can do anything about it. Okay, even at the end of season two, any spoiler? Anybody going to watch it? Plug your ears. Spoiler alert. At the end of the second season, they even have a young man that has gotten a rifle, and he's going to a gym to shoot it up, and the students cover for him. So they keep it from happening, but no adults know. So I mean, that's how much into their peer support group they are sometimes. They won't reach out to tell an adult. They'll take care of it themselves because they know everything, Right? It's kind of scary. So we may not know. Um, if they're really obsessed with uh, death and violence, I think that's changed a little bit. When I first started down there, uh, people were dressing in all black a lot. They were wearing, um, like, leather wrist things a lot. It's real, I think it's called, I don't want to limit it because culturally it's not about that, but um, the term that, that they used was goth. You know, and it can look really scary, and they're they're really mostly not scary, but it's great cover for somebody that is self-harming and all. Like if it's 114 degrees outside, which it actually does get to here, and you're in a trench coat, sweating, looking miserable, there's something not right. It could just be you you really are just pushing a fashion statement that's not comfortable, but. You want to be checking. All right, and things that we probably won't see. Um, so mental health disorders. With HIPAA, we're really not allowed to talk about what somebody's disorder is. They're, it's real tricky about what you can and can't say. Um, if there is an imminent risk of harm, either to them or someone else, then we can get other people involved to make sure that doesn't happen. But trying to decide where that balance is, sometimes is hard. But we certainly wouldn't say, you know, Johnny B 
is diagnosed with bipolar disorder that's not managed well, and they're real impulsive, and so you need to make sure they don't do anything that, that could harm themselves. We're, we're not allowed to say that. It would be bad for him and everybody. So we wouldn't know. Previous attempts, we might not know. If someone's looking for ways to kill themselves, we might know. Is there any reason that a young person would need a whole big bottle of Tylenol in their room, ever? I don't think so, okay? Is there ever a reason that they need to take a razor apart? There shouldn't be. I mean, some people do certain trimming things and all with, with razors that are taken apart. But you want to be noticing these things. You want to be asking, why do you have this whole bottle in here? You know, and you don't have to say it in a way that makes them feel like, oh my gosh, I screwed up. It's just, I'm curious. And we usually keep it over here. If there is a concern, then you got to keep stuff locked up. Right? You don't want it sitting around. Um, if they're seeking pills or weapons or other means, you may or may not notice that. I don't know. Um, it's real tricky. These are, these are things we wouldn't maybe notice, right? All right, other chronic medical conditions. Some people, uh, if they're in a lot of pain, they can get to where the pain is so overwhelming, and that's not just this age group. So history of trauma or abuse, um, prolonged stress, uh, feelings of worthlessness, thoughts, planning. Um, this one's key. If a family member or a friend has completed suicide, um, then they're at a higher risk. The thing is, sometimes people get so distraught that they feel like they would rather go join that person and be with them again. And so it's like I said earlier, if, one, if, if I cross that barrier once, if a friend crosses that barrier, that makes it maybe less of an obstacle for me as well. I know that um, if there is a student that commits suicide at school, there's a lot of activity about checking in with people and all too, because there's, there's reasons for that. We'll cover it in a second. Um, so the developmental stage similarities are confusing. How do you know if my young person throwing books and kicking things and ignoring me and telling me I'm an idiot is normal? Or they're really kind of stuck and don't like the world and they, they're just starting to isolate and be a problem. The hardest part is having a really frank, clear conversation, not at a moment of correcting them, right? So you, you want to take away the, the tension the conflict between adults and children. It's normal, but you want to take that away for this. So really letting them know there's a difference between you didn't take out the trash, your room smells bad, and I really want you to come to me if there's something really going on that's not well. If you want to go a little bit bigger and you have a good communication with your uh teenager or whatever, you can say, let me know if you hear your friend saying things like this, right? There's a myth that says if we talk about suicide and self-harm, it's more likely to happen. Is that, that already said it's a myth, so it's not true. Um, 
the thing is, is again with the, the image of isolating, if I'm way over here and I feel stuck and someone comes over and says, how are you doing? I'm already less in this corner. Even if you're irritating to me, there's someone talking to me. Okay. So, um, so you can address behaviors, but try not to be judgmental and accusing. Just let me know what's going on. Be genuinely curious. So talking about suicide may give someone the idea. That's really not true. If someone's really not thinking about it and you bring it up, they will be like, no, that, I, whoa, that wasn't even where I was at. If they were already thinking about it, then they'll be like, I guess I kind of got discovered and now someone's talking to me and cares and so I'm going to try to see if I can talk to them or not, okay? Um, so it's scary to stand off. It's real tricky for parents and children. Let's see. I don't know if anybody's seen. Anybody want to do a quick demonstration with me real quick? Sure. So come on. So put your hand like that. Okay. Who's pushing? I feel like I am. I feel like I am. Okay. Who, who started? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. Okay. <laughs> so how do we get out of that? As an adult, I know the way to get out of it is, okay, I'm not going to push anymore. And so then we got to, that's great. Oh. <laughs> so then you got to figure out what to do. The key is, as, an, as a parent or adult and, and an adolescent, you're designed to be pushing. They're pushing to get their, their rights and boundaries, and you're pushing to make sure that they don't screw up their life. You know, I've learned some lessons, and they're like, yeah, but you're dumb, <laughs> right? And so that's all important because they do need to learn, and they do need to push. But when it gets to a point where there's, like, a really serious topic, it's like, look, I'm not trying to push and control your life. This conversation is just about caring, and I'm here for you. Now, there was another thing in 13 Reasons Why where they asked this young man, the mom did, real caring. She could tell something wasn't right, and she said, is everything okay? And he's like, I'm fine. Leave me alone. And in TV, she leaves because that's what the script said. In real life, it's going to be, well, no, I can tell you told me there wasn't, right? And it may not be right in that moment. It might be an hour later. It might be... Later in the evening, it might be the next morning, but I'm going to keep saying, this is what I see that makes me feel like there's something not right. So instead of just guessing, you want to be telling them what you're noticing. You're really not talking to me as much. You really seem kind of in your own world. I'm really concerned about that. I'm here to help. You can tell me. Um... At the school, I tell them right up front, if you come and tell one of us that you're suicidal, you will not be sent immediately to a hospital with a straitjacket. And more times than not, most of the time, that's absolutely true. Right? Because it's just, if you start talking to me and we can start working through it, 
There's no reason to send you to a hospital. Let's let's get you moving. Get get figure out what's stuck. Sending them to a hospital isn't going to help long term, I think, anyway, unless it's really necessary. And then they got to go. We got to get them there and get them some help because they're really not going to be safe. So I'm not afraid to do that either. But get the discussion going. The other thing is that some people won't report that a friend is suicidal because they think the friend will hate them. What's wrong with that picture? So if I think you're suicidal and you're my best friend, you won't go get help, and so I'll go get help, what am I afraid of now? She'll be mad at me is the biggest thing. She might disappear, I might, but she might get mad at me. So I would rather have a friend that's mad at me the rest of her life because she's alive than not around. Okay. Now I will tell you, I have never, I've never had a student stay mad at the one that spoke up ever, but it's scary at first. So the thing is, is talking about it. I've never had that be a problem, like in real life and statistically. So don't be afraid. Now, I'm not saying if you see someone stuck, just walk up and start the conversation again with, are you suicidal? It's really just pointing out what you notice. I see that you're isolating, you're not talking as much, you seem upset. I mean, really getting clear on some concrete things that you're noticing. All right? And then hopefully you've built enough rapport for you and the person to know that if there's something really serious, we can get past all this stuff and really talk about what's going on, okay? And then again, like I've been saying, state what you've noticed. Um, all right, so don't worry about breaking their trust and uh, don't worry um, that you have enough information to, to call for help. Um, for youth, there's another word that they use called snitching. I don't know if it's as popular either anymore. And that might be an at-risk youth term more than some other places. Has anybody heard that term before? Yeah. So anyway, when it comes to safety, I try to let them know that that's not ratting somebody out. That's getting somebody help. Okay. So have an honest conversation. So if you think someone is thinking about suicide, assume you are the only one uh, who will reach out. Okay, there are so many people that are like, well, someone must be helping that person, or someone else has noticed, or it's not just me. Um, if you see something, say something. We talk about after somebody has completed, oh, my God, how did we miss all those signs? Well, where did all those signs come from after they're gone? comes from little bits here and there that people, once they started talking about it, were like, well, God, 13 people heard something that wasn't right. But those 13 people aren't connected, and maybe they were busy, or they thought the other person... It's like, if something doesn't seem right with Susie, then say, hey, something doesn't look right. How, how should we follow up? You know, get someone else involved. Uh, talk to them in private. Anything in public with a teenager, you risk them getting all puffed up and shutting down. Uh, their peers are more important than you, unless it comes to food or shelter, right? All right, so listen to their story. Take the time. 
We all, especially nowadays, we have busy lives. I swore I would never get addicted to this stupid little brick thing. I turned it in to get the battery replaced. And I had five hours I had to figure out what to do. And I already had it planned. I'm going to read a book. Books are all on the phone. So I don't have any books. Well, I was going to go see a movie. Well, I've got the, the little movie pass thing on my phone. So now it's like, well, I just have to go pay the full price, but I paid for this thing also. There's so many things we're connected to this stuff. So we get we get connected to things that we just don't know. So, so don't get all caught up in this stuff. Put it down. Go for a walk. A lot of times teenagers would rather walk than sit and have to look at you. Right? That's way too intense to sit down with an adult and listen and talk and whatever. But if you say, let's go for a walk, they're like, no, I don't want to. It's like, we're going anyway. You know? And sometimes you can see them. You can, you can sit down with them until they start fidgeting and say, you look like you'd rather be walking. Like, yes. Cool. We're go. Okay? And then they're more likely to start talking about stuff. But don't be badgering like, okay, tell me. Okay, tell me. Okay, tell me. It's like, I'm in a hurry. I have things to do. Tell me what's your problem. It's like, I'm not going to tell you anything. You're too busy anyway. You know, I'm going to tell you, and then you're going to freak out or blow it off or send me a text to somebody. And, you know, I'm just, so you got to take the time and sit down and really get to know them. All right, ask directly. If you think that's what's going on, ask directly. If they really look shut down, what's going on? I don't know. Well, what do you mean you don't know? I don't know. Well, that's fair. So you're in a place where you don't know. So let's go and talk about maybe what got you to this point. What's been going on? So you can go back and try to see what's coming up. It may be that they really don't know. And when you start talking about the little bitty things, they'll start listing stuff. I don't know. Well, what happened this week? I don't know, it's been going pretty well. How many tests did you have? I had three. How did they go? Well, two of them went okay. One of them was awful. Like, okay. So what else is going on? Well, I had this friend that's not at school anymore. Like, really? What did that friend mean to you? Well, they were the one I talked to about everything. So you've had a not good test, and you've had a friend that's not there anymore that you used to talk to. So what else is going on? You know, they may say, well, that test, actually, that was a real important test, and I don't know how I'm going to study to, to catch up with that. And so if you, if you get into the conversation a little bit and step back a little bit, they'll start coming up with stuff that you as an adult can start linking together, right? Sometimes, most of the time. The trick is to get them talking. They really don't want to talk to you because you're an adult. All right. So, um, what to do if if you really if they're like yes I'm going to do something or I've been thinking about it, I really would not recommend you just take that on on your own. Okay. Uh, one of the things we do for assessment with um, with young people is is try to figure out where they're at. So if someone says I don't want to be alive, that's like this level, and like. 
then we can ask scaling questions. On 0 to 10, where are you at on the don't, I don't want to be alive? If they're like at a 2, 0 being I don't, then we can kind of have a little bit more conversation. If they're at a 10, then that's pretty serious. And then the next question is, have you been thinking about how to do it? And if they're like, yeah, you know, a couple of things, then that's a little more serious because now they've been thinking about what to do. And then if they say, yeah, I was thinking about doing this particular thing, then you're like, wow. Like if they say, well, I was thinking about hanging myself, then you got to say, so did you have something around to do that with? And they're like, well, no, I'd never actually do it. That doesn't mean we're okay. But if it sounds reasonable, then okay, they hadn't actually gone that far. But if they say, yeah, I've got a belt that this is what I was going to do in this particular location, now we're at a really, really high level of concern. Because that means they've gone from the, I'm just not thinking things are okay, to I actually know what I'm going to do and where. And that, that you don't want to take on alone. Okay. Um, so take the person seriously. Stay with them. There are so many times somebody will be with someone and they'll know they're already at this level and then they're like, okay, stay here. I'm going to go get some help. What just happened? Two things just happened. One is I left them alone. They've just been abandoned another time by someone else, right? They're already isolated and not happy, and now someone else just walked off. The other thing is I come back with help. Where are they? They may have done something while I was gone, or they might have walked off. Now we don't even know where they're at, okay? So I, I say you may be there a while. Try to get them to come with you to get to the phone or whatever. But if, if you don't have any ways to get help or whatever, just stay with them. And just be with them. You don't have to keep talking. If you're nervous, then you're nervous. That's your problem. Right? They're already worked up. So if you're like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, you're going to be way too much stimulus for them. They're already shut down. Okay? So um, there are crisis lines. We're running out of time here. There's crisis lines, there's uh, emergency services, some people have a therapist or someone already that's available, you know, try to call and get them on the line, some therapists will still do that. Um, so the key is you want to remember that you're linking them to other resources and they're not isolated. So look and listen, inquire about what's going on, don't be afraid to ask. I mean, if you know this person and you know something's not right, then if you're genuinely concerned and you're not in a hurry, they'll get it. Most of the time they'll get it and they'll listen. Um, note the behavior because that's what someone's going to ask when you call. What did you notice? I don't know. They just seem upset. Okay, so what do you mean they were upset? You know, they're, they're going to want to know kind of what's going on. And then know the resources available ahead of time. Okay, so... I don't necessarily believe it has to be in this order, but if you have this information available ahead of time, even if there's nothing going on, it would, it would be good to just have it somewhere, right? So in the moment, you're not like, oh, my God, who should I call? What should I do? Okay. Um, there are no false alarms. So if something does happen, we may not ever know really why they did it. 
We may not. We may get all the little connections and figure it out afterwards. Um, but sometimes people have a condition or something happens and they make a real impulsive decision and it's done. And no one ever even had a clue. Um, normally I, I ask how many people have had or known somebody that has attempted or completed suicide. And I don't know, we're on tape, so I don't know if we should all answer that. Um, but a really good friend of mine did about eight years ago. We had no idea, no idea. And when we went to the services with everybody talking, we had no idea. Sometimes you just don't know. I wish he was still here, but grief is normal. With young people, we want to be watching out because sometimes they will want to run away. With schools, it's important to let the school know where your kid is because they're going to be looking to see where everybody is. And if someone's missing, we want to make sure they're not off doing the copycat thing that their friend did. After the fact, uh, there are many, many clues. Um, so reporting concerns is really important. So I would say from experience, follow your intuition. If something doesn't seem right, doesn't mean they're suicidal. We're talking about that because that's what this talk is about. But it does mean something's not right. What's going on? They may or may not want to tell you right up front. It might take some time, but you can find ways to maybe put a little less stress on them. Let them know you're here. I'm always here to talk with you about anything that's really serious. You know, like whatever. If, if a friend commits suicide, you want to be there and say, I'm here to help you talk through that. That was a very, very horrible thing to lose a friend like that. And so I am available for you to talk to. I can get you help if you don't want to talk to me, right? Let them know that there are resources. They're not just stuck. They may look at you like you're from some other planet, but they're hearing. I guarantee you they're hearing what you're saying. So the key to, pre to preventing, and I don't know, I use the word preventing. Um, I feel like in today's age I have to make disclaimers for everything. You cannot prevent every suicide. You, you just can't. Some people are going to be impulsive. They're going to do it. They're going to be real secretive. But the key is to notice what you can about what's going on. Change in mood. Change in behavior. Tricky because as an adolescent, that's what they're doing, right? But you know your young person better than anyone else. If you feel like something's not right, then really take a moment to sit down and have a discussion. How are things going? That's where to start. What's going on in your life? If they, if they made a bad grade and you got on them about it, this is not the time to get on them about it again. It's to say, well, how are you doing with that? What is it that I could do to help that not be such a stressor for you? Okay. Uh, we just don't want them to feel boxed into a corner. All right. And then if they're doing some things that are not good, we want to redirect that. So this is the last part. Um, self-harming. There are so many ways for self-harming. Uh, even a cube of ice, for a long time I've seen people just do that. It leaves a, like a, a frost burn or something. Um, this almost never is suicidal. This is a distraction 
from whatever is stressing me out, or it's a way I can control my world. Everything in my world is a mess, but I can cut, and I can feel that pain, and I'm in charge. There's a whole bunch of reasons for that. But it's a sign of stress. This one, you never want to have them do. Right? That can cause permanent brain damage and stuff. We don't want them to have any of this, but... All right? So they might cut in places that aren't obvious. If you see, like, part of a broken razor laying somewhere, check into that. If they, they're going to probably get real upset because they're going to be embarrassed. Right? Or they're going to feel accused whether they are or not. They're going to act that way. But if you see something that doesn't look right, you should ask and be concerned, not just, what is this half a razor doing on this camera? What kind of response am I going to get? Yeah, they're going to shut down. So it's like, oh, I kind of noticed this. I don't want to bring it up, but I do want to make sure you're okay. All right, and so they, help, they harm for a lot of things. If you get hurt, naturally, your body releases chemicals that make you not hurt as much for a little while, and then the pain catches up with you. But some people get addicted to that feeling, and so the self-harming just becomes an addiction. And that's a serious addiction you don't want to try to be treating on your own. Right? That takes some time. All right, and it also, like I already said, it gives them a feeling of control. Can I skip one? Okay, and the things we're looking out for are like armbands in the summer that suddenly show up. Uh, long pants, when I used to wear short pants, um, people, people do all sorts of things. Um, so what we want is a safety plan, not a no-harm plan, because that we're already talking about no-harming. We just want to talk about what, what can be safe. What can you do instead? When you're stressed and you feel like doing this, what could we be doing for you that would help so you don't have to do that? And then I would say if someone's at the point of self-harming, get some other help. Don't just try to treat that on your own at home as a parent. So that's all I have for you today. Thank you for listening and staying awake. Thank you for joining us. If you're interested in the archive video recording of this session and any corresponding handouts or resources, please visit the WHS Healthy Shaps website at healthyshaps.weebly.com.